Well, it is truly an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. Um, I am just so grateful for Alan giving me this opportunity and believing in me. I knew, uh, Alan mentioned my father was a pastor, and I knew growing up that I was being called into ministry, but as um, many of us like to do, I thought it would be really smart to tell God no. And I tried for many years to do something different and run in my own direction, and I am just so grateful for the opportunity that God gave me. Uh, a little over nine years ago now to step back into ministry, and it has been a beautiful ride. Alan was right. I was very insecure when I started this um, position, and he has really, through the grace of his leadership and what God's done in my life, I'm just so thankful. I met my husband here, David. Uh, Shout out to all the small groups. We met in small group here at Definition Church. You never know, they might change your life in more ways than one. Um, And we have three kids. Haley Ryan is three, and she is going on 13. And she is smarter than me most days. And I'm gonna talk about her a little bit later. But we also gave birth to twins in the middle of a pandemic back in December. And so shout out to all the moms that had babies during a pandemic. That is not for the faint of heart. And then if you have multiples... Y'all are my heroes. Like, I'm trying to figure it out day by day. It is really challenging. If you will, if you have your Bibles with me, with you today, go ahead and turn to Genesis 22. That's where we're gonna start today. As I said, I have this really bad habit of telling God no when he tells me what to do. And when I got this opportunity, I was trying to figure out what I should speak about today. And God told me, I want you to talk about submission. And I said, no, (laughs) who wants to hear that message? And so, uh, which is ironic. And um, he so sweetly kept reminding me that if I was gonna try something else, like it was gonna keep running into a wall. And so I was holding my son, Isaac, uh, rocking him to sleep one night. And God just reminded me of Genesis 22 and said, you're gonna preach on submission. Here's the passage. So if you will, let's pick up today right there. In verse one, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. If you're here today, say, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac, and then chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. The story goes on, and they kept going to the place that God had told them about. And as they were going, Isaac turned to his father, Abraham, and said, so, you know, we have the wood and we have the stuff for the altar, but where's the sheep? And Abraham so quickly and calmly responded, God will provide a sheep. So they kept going and they went to that place and they built the altar and they put the wood on the altar. And then Abraham tied up his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar. And just as he was about to sacrifice him, the angel of the Lord cried out and said, do not harm your son. That's where we're gonna pick up our story. It said, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply, say multiply. Your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. 
Wow, I don't know about you, but as I've already told you, I like to think of myself as kind of like a recovering control freak, not quite there yet. Um, But I have this internal rebellion against submission. We kind of all do in some ways. Think about it. When you were on your way here today and you got in your car and there was this like white sign on the side of the road with black numbers, how many of you began calculating how many miles per hour above that number you could go? We love to test the limits. Every day when I'm getting ready to walk out the door, I always tell my daughter to put her shoes on. And it's like suddenly she can obey the 10 other commands that I gave her the night before and go clean her room and pick up the toys in the other room, but she cannot put her shoes on. We love to rebel against the idea of submission. On a more serious note, I watch so many people in my life lose marriages, friendships, jobs, find themselves plagued with anxiety and fear just because we aren't willing to lay down our personal preferences, or our right to control. I think this is why I love this passage in Genesis 22 so much. Look how quickly when God called Abraham, he said, yes, Lord, here I am. And the most beautiful part in the beginning is that when God told him what to do, giving up something that was so precious to him, he didn't even question it. He went and obeyed. And he was so confident when his son started to question what he was doing, that God was gonna provide. Then at the very end, we see in verses 15 through 18 that because of his willingness to submit and obey, God blessed him. He created, he multiplied his descendants beyond number and all the nations were blessed because of his obedience. This is where God and I have begun to begin this lesson that I'm sure will be a lifelong journey. But to believe the truth is, submission leads to progression, not oppression. Let me say that again. Submission leads to progression, not oppression. You see, so often in our culture, we have this idea that submission means we're giving up. We're losing control. We'll have no power. We can't do that. We can't lay it down. We need to change our mindset. You see, submission is not giving up power, but rather gaining it. And we get to experience God's blessing on the other side. Those might be my words, but his word also tells us this. His word tells us that we must first die before we're gonna actually live. Let's look at Luke 9, 23 through 24. It said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. I love these paradoxes we find all over scripture, that we must humble ourselves to be exalted. All these different things, we must lose our life to find it. We must submit to find the blessing that God has for us. So where did this rebellion all begin, from, begin with? You see, it's been around since the very beginning of time. When we look at Genesis 3, 1 through 6, we see the beginning of rebellion. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Oh, you won't die, said the servant to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Well, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. You see, 
she immediately began to not trust that God's plan for her was good. She started to question the character and nature of God and began to question if it was really his right to be able to tell her whether she could have it or not. She sought to possess something that was not hers to possess to begin with. This is something we've been dealing with since the very beginning of time. So of course we're still struggling with it as a people group right now. So how do we deal with that? Like, what can we do about it? How do we truly begin to believe that submission will lead to our progression and not our oppression? I have two ideas for you today. The first is to choose trust over control. Choose trust over control. You see, in Genesis 3, God had created limits for Eve and Adam in the garden. He had said, you can enjoy anything in here except for this one thing. And of course, that was the one limit that she started to want to question. I don't know about your house, but in our house, that's exactly what happens with our kids. I'm like, you can play with anything in this room. Just don't touch the TV. And of course, I walk out of the room, and the first thing they go to touch is the TV. Um, And so the same thing happens in our life with God. God will bless us in so many ways. And that one thing that we want that he hasn't given us yet, we start to question why he will not give it to us. We start to trust, we start to debate whether his character is good and if he is trustworthy. We start to think that the thing that he's withholding is actually pleasurable, not for our day, not dangerous. Well, what if it's pleasurable and dangerous? You see, God often tells us no or not yet, and we like to say, we'll see about that. We must begin to believe that God is good. His ways are good. He is infinitely good. Jeremiah 17, five through eight says, "'Cursed is the one who trusts in man "'and draws strength from mere flesh "'and whose heart turns away from the Lord. "'That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. "'They will not see prosperity when it comes. "'They will dwell in the parched places of the desert "'in a salt land where no one lives. "'But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, "'whose confidence is in him.'" They will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the streams. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. We must trust in our good, good father. You see, we serve this God that is omniscient. He knows all things. Can you even like begin to imagine that? That like he's not gonna gain knowledge at any point. Like he already knows what was, what is, and what is to come. We also serve a God that is all powerful, so much greater than we can think or imagine. He is unchanging, which is so foreign to our people group because everything around us is constantly changing. He is omnipresent in all places at all times. He is so much greater than we can understand. Well, if you're like me, that's your greatest problem in itself. You see, we as a people love to know, control, and understand the things around us. We have to measure everything. It's why Googling is a verb in our vocabulary. It's why we have food labels and we read them before we eat anything. It's why we have week-long meetings in our companies just to figure out how we're gonna measure progress. It's why moms are willing to spend $150 on a changing pad to change diapers on so they can measure their baby's weight. It's why apps and watches count steps and calories. We believe that when we can measure it, we can understand it, and therefore, we can control it. God was not meant to be controlled. So how do we start looking at this and reversing it? How do we learn to trust someone we'll never truly understand? We have to learn how to transform that into awe 
and wonder and reverence at the good and wonderful character of our God and our heavenly father. How do we respond more like Abraham so that when God calls, we're so willing to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Well, we must choose to trust over control. There's three ways that I've learned to kind of develop this in my life, and I hope that these will help you. First, we must read his word. I know you're probably thinking, well, that's what we always tell people to do in church. Well, I'm serious. This is the only way you will truly for yourself get to understand the good nature of our heavenly father. You see, you can't truly understand his faithfulness and who he is if you don't actually read the stories. You see, I know that God is not a God of oppression because he freed the Israelites. I know that he's a man of his word because he fulfilled the prophecies from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I know when he tells me to humble myself, I can do that because he exalted the humble. I know that he's a God of miracles because he freed, um, he healed the sick and he raised the dead. I know that he loves me because he gave his life for me. I can only find that in his word. So you have to read his word. It's the only way you'll truly get to understand the nature and the goodness of God and begin developing trust in him. If you don't know how to do this, quick little plug for 21 Days of Prayer starts next Sunday. And I'm telling you, if you've never dug into the word of God, I want you to go ahead and download the Definition Church app and join us for 21 days. I believe it will change your life and change your perspective. Secondly, I wanna encourage you to journal your prayers. This is not like keeping a diary, so don't freak out. But journaling your prayers has been a huge practice in my life. You see, it's so easy for us to think we've said something and move on and we forget to sit in the moment and see how God actually responds to it. I heard a testimony of a man once who had written down his prayers and in his life he had seen every prayer answered except for one, but it was written down. And it was for a very specific man to give his life to Christ. Well, so many people in his life knew that. And at his funeral, that man gave his life to Christ. Think about the testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness to all the people around there. It inspired me to start journaling my prayers. So for me, this looks really simple. Like I have a journal and I don't necessarily do this every day, but I date it and I write down a prayer and I skip a few lines and then I date it and write down a prayer and skip a few lines, you know, you get it. And then when I go back to write down another prayer, I just flip through the pages and I think about, has God answered that prayer yet? And you see, when I go back and read through those pages of that journal, I get to see the character that I learned about in his word coming to reality in my life and the world around me. So I just wanna encourage you, start doing it. You'll get to see, and in your own way, kind of measure God's faithfulness. You'll begin building trust in who he is. Thirdly, I wanna encourage you to practice gratitude. It is so much easier to trust someone and release control to them when you are so grateful for all that they've done for you. You see, for me, this looks really simple. It's not overly complicated, and it doesn't even look super weird. It's just every morning and every evening when I wake up and go to sleep, I start my day and end my day with one simple sentence. I tell God something that I'm thankful for. I thank him for my salvation. I thank him for giving me a second chance. I thank you him that he's still there even though I yelled at my kids that day. You know, all of the different things. It's just simple. But I start and end my day with gratitude. And let me tell you, it just brings my heart closer to him. 
So when I understand his character through his word and I get to see it playing out in my life through journaling my prayers and my heart is turned towards him because of gratitude, I can choose trust over control. And when we choose to trust him, he transforms us into a people who find our strength and our confidence in God rather than ourselves. So I encourage you, try it. Choose trust over control. So if we want submission to lead to progression and not oppression and truly be able to live out of that truth, the second thing we need to do is choose stewardship over ownership. You see, a few weeks ago, I was going to the beach with my family and it was a very special occasion. My grandparents were gonna get to meet all of their great-grandchildren and it was super fun. So I wanted to capture the moment. And so I borrowed a really nice piece of um, camera equipment from a friend and some really nice lenses and their tripod. And while I was there, I was so careful with it. I was very careful about who used it. I like put a blanket down on the sand before we put the tripod in because I didn't want the sand to get in the tripod, like all the different things. I was very careful. You see, because I knew that it wasn't mine, it changed the way I handled it. Often our issues with submission come from exerting influence over someone or something that we don't actually possess to begin with. You see, this happens with our possessions. It's why tithing and giving are so challenging for us. It happens with our time, and it's why serving can become so difficult because we don't want to give it up. We think it's ours to begin with. It happens in our relationships with our spouse and our children. We think that we can possess and control them in ways that were not ours to do to begin with. You see, Psalm 24, one through two says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. God made it all. He is the only true original creator. You see, we're just mere rearrangers. We're creative, but we rearrange his original creation. You see, he can take away and give as he pleases. I think this is why Job 121 has spoke so loudly to me. It says, the Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. When we remember whose it was to begin with, whether it's here or not, we can still worship our heavenly father the way that he's called us to worship him. You see, he did give us the responsibility to manage all that's in the earth. But just as Ecclesiastes 5.15 tells us, we're not taking it with us when we leave this world. So why can't we just choose trust over control and believe that God's gonna supply all of our needs like Philippians 4.19 reminds us. You see, we do not thrive in this world because we have accomplished or are. It's because of who we're connected to. You see, God is the true multiplier in our life. He's the person that puts the multiplication factor on everything that we touch and do. Submission leads to progression and God is a God of multiplication, but we must first sow so that he can multiply and remember that it belongs to him first. Abraham knew that Isaac belonged to God, but had been entrusted to him. You see, when we rightly understand stewardship, it can bring us so much joy and transform the way we live and allow us to step into the blessing that God desires most for us. My daughter Haley, as I said, I was gonna talk about her a little bit more, was born in 2017. And shortly after she was born, we knew something wasn't quite right. Um, she had a really hard time breathing and uh, she just wasn't gaining weight and she looked sick. She slept great, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> 
You see, we came to find out that our daughter had a congenital heart defect. She had a really, really large hole in her heart, and it was causing her a lot of distress. When we found out that our daughter was going to need surgery to fix this, I, my life immediately became grippled with fear and anxiety. I was one of those people that every minute that I had that wasn't doing something else, I was researching ways that we could take care of her, different types of surgeries, and I thought I had the PhD, and I kept trying to figure out how I could solve this problem. I was so scared that the next day, she wouldn't wake up again. I found myself watching the baby monitor, like grippled with fear that she was gonna struggle to breathe during the night. I was losing my family too because I couldn't connect with them. I was like in a black hole. I remember sitting here in this room and we were in the middle of a worship service and God clearly asked me, Chelsea, who does Haley belong to? I ignored him, very clearly ignored him. Well, the next morning, I opened up my Bible, and the next chapter for me to read was Genesis 22. And I was like, I'm going to skip this. Um, (laughs) But I started to read the story of Abraham and Isaac again, and God clearly said to me, Chelsea, who does Haley belong to? And with tears in my eyes in that very moment, I said, God. She's yours first and will always be yours first. So whether you give me five more minutes or five more days or five more years with her, I will be so grateful and I will steward those moments well. But I will always remember she belongs to you first. With that settled in my heart, I can't even begin to explain to you what happened in the days to come. It was like, my eyes opened up again. I found a peace that is unexplainable still to this day. It's like I knew God had us, regardless of the outcome. I remember watching her wheeled into surgery, and as they pulled her, took her out, I said to God again, yes, Lord, she's yours first. And I actually laughed and talked with the people in the waiting room with us, which is crazy to even think about. Because I had this joy and peace that was not from this world. It was something that only he could provide. Well, thankfully, as I've told you, our daughter is three today. And every day I wake up and remember and tell the Lord, God, she's yours first. And if you choose to give us this day, I will be grateful And if not, I'll be grateful. You see, I've learned so clearly in my life that when I choose trust over control and stewardship over ownership, I get to experience God's blessing on my life. So I wanna ask you today, when we can get these things right, we can lay down what God has asked us to lay down and step into confidence into his blessing. So what is God asking you to lay down today? Is it a job? Is it a dream? Is it a relationship? Is it a conversation in your marriage? Is it a child? What is it for you? Maybe in this moment, the thing God is asking you to lay down is yourself. You see, when we look at the word and look at the scripture, our perfect teacher in the area of submission 
to authority is Jesus himself. Throughout his 33 years on this earth, and even in the last three years of his ministry leading up to his death, he was in total submission to God our Father. And it was out of his submission to authority and love that we get to experience the blessing of life with Christ today and that we are redeemed from the curse of sin. So maybe God's asking you to lay yourself down at the foot of the cross. And if that's you today, I just wanna encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me. It's not magic, it's nothing special. But I believe that if you will lay yourself at the foot of the cross, God will bless that and you'll get to experience all the good things that come from a life with Christ. Will you all bow your heads and pray with me? If that's you right now, you can just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for laying your life down for me. I know that I've sinned and I do not deserve your goodness, but you loved me so and gave your life for me and I accept that free gift. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.